Welcome to the Get Your Health Together podcast, your go-to source for optimizing your metabolism, hormones, and results, plus a little tough love along the way. I'm your host, Lexi Swearingen, a holistic online health and fitness coach for women who want to understand the why behind their transformation while also living in the moment. I'm here to bridge the gap between macros and mindful eating, and have helped hundreds of women achieve their physique goals while also prioritizing optimal health. Now it's your turn. It's time to get your health together. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to the Get Your Health Together podcast. I am super excited about today's episode. I don't know, honestly, when I don't say that. I say that every single week because we're going to be dipping our toe into one of the biggest struggles that I typically see in a fitness or health journey, and that is second guessing yourself. And what you're doing in this sense of second guessing yourself typically stemming from some type or some level of comparison. So with this, I don't mean body comparison, like, oh my goodness, I want to be so skinny like her. I wish I could wear that outfit. Um, but journey comparison or strategy comparison. So this can very, very easily be the demise of somebody reaching their goals because they're consistently changing things up or not staying consistent with anything really long enough to see results and constantly wondering what's working versus what isn't working because so many variables are changing so often and you can't isolate anything. And, you know, it's very easy for this to happen this day and age. We intake so much information on social media from so many different sources and Everyone has their own bias and their own experience. And if you go in just trying to imitate someone else, you are very likely going to end up in this situation where you're like, what the heck is right? Person A over here is saying this and person B over here is saying this. And I can't do both of those things at once. They're complete opposites. And you are, you know, kind of deriving your whole strategy for your fitness journey from information that you're taking in on social media from all of these different sources rather than from you. So today, again, we're going to talk about comparison and second guessing when it comes to your journey or your strategy. Um, And even with all of my own clients, this comes up, you know, even people with coaches aren't completely immune to it, but, you know, luckily they do have a coach to keep it in line, shameless plug. Um, And it typically sounds something like this. They come to me and they're like, well, shouldn't I be doing X, Y, Z? Or I heard from so-and-so that I should be X, Y, Z. Or I saw on Instagram that doing this is bad. Should I really be doing this? You know, it's all sorts of comments like that where still, you know, even though you do have one person, you have a coach, it's hard to be completely immune to getting influenced. (laughs) It's the day and the age of the influencer. Um, So today I'm going to dive into four major situations where I see this taking place. And I'll even give you guys kind of some example scenarios from convos that I've had with clients past, current, whatever. Um, And we're going to kind of dive into like the issue, the impact, the reality, and my take on each of these four things. Who knows, you know, I might even come up with more than (laughs) my initial four as I get going. So let's kick this thing off and jump into the meat and potatoes of the episode. So the first thing that I want to address is the length and the depth of a calorie deficit. This one is a hot topic. And just a heads up, 
I'm actually planning on hopefully doing an episode on this topic specifically. So if it interests you, definitely stay tuned or let me know if you have any questions. So I feel like dieting and really any type of calorie deficit has almost become taboo. And people get very concerned about being in a deficit that's too steep or being in a deficit for too long or really anything like that. Um, And it's not like I don't get it because this is 1000% a problem. And I talk about it too as a coach or someone who shares on Instagram because what tends to happen is people don't know what they're doing and they get into these chronically low calorie diets um, and those diets get abused over time. They don't know how to get out of them um, and it's a huge problem, but we've almost bounced in the other direction where we're like, oh my gosh, fear the calorie deficit. We never want to eat less, you know, but the reality is if you have a goal of fat loss, you are going to need to be in a calorie deficit at some point. You are going to need to eat less food. And if you're not in a steep enough deficit, you're not going to see the results. You're just not. There is a time to eat less and move more. I know we've kind of demonized that phrase, but if you're in a healthy body, if you are at a healthy amount of maintenance calories and you decide you want to lose body fat, that would be the time where eating less and moving more makes a whole lot of sense and is actually necessary. So it's not always bad. Um, And with this comparison effect, I've had clients kind of coming to me saying like, shouldn't I not be in a deficit for longer than 12 weeks? I saw it on Instagram that like that's bad for me or that's going to mess up my hormones, which we'll dive into the hormones topic later. And if you've seen this, you've probably seen it from someone who is, you know, a younger influencer that's already pretty lean, relatively fit. This person is likely hitting their diet protocol pretty damn on point. This person probably doesn't have a ton of fat to lose. Those are two very important points. You, on the other hand, if you're listening to this, you might already be starting at a higher body fat than this person. You might have 20 pounds to lose. You might have 50 pounds to lose. I don't know. You might not be hitting your protocol perfectly. I know most of my clients do not. Um, In this case, you have to realize that your body fat is energy, you know, that is stored energy on your, on your person. (laughs) We want your body to use that energy that it has stored as fat. Fats are liberated from those adipose cells and put into circulation to be used as fuel when you are not intaking enough fuel to maintain. And that is how we lose weight. So Also, if you're not hitting your protocol perfectly, this is just a little tidbit. If you are not hitting your protocol perfectly, you are getting breaks from your deficit. And by not hitting your protocol perfectly, I don't mean that like you suck and you're eating like an asshole every single weekend and totally yo-yoing and going on snack binges. That is not what I mean. I simply mean that maybe you're eating out two to three times a week and you're guesstimating some tracking where this influencer that you're following who's like, oh my God, don't be in a deficit for longer than 12 weeks. That person might be eating Tupperware meals at their family dinner. That person might be not going out to eat for their whole diet and literally remaining in that like perfect deeper deficit that entire time. 
all of my clients, I mentioned this earlier that not many of my clients do hit their protocols perfectly. And that isn't a bad thing. All of my clients, every single one is a lifestyle client. I do not coach, you know, competition prep for bodybuilders or anything like that. So honestly, even my more advanced clients who are not new to tracking macros and have been lifting weights for a long time, they eat out. They go to restaurants and sometimes that's like a built-in diet break because frankly, guys, if you are eating out, you are probably eating more food than you think you are. That is that is just the sad reality of restaurants kind of packing in those calories. So I don't want this to come off like rude at all. But if your biofeedback is okay, you're sleeping well, you know, you have no signs of like weird thyroid things going on, um, you are for the most part having bowel movements, and you're not in some crazy, crazy, insane deficit, and you have body fat to lose, you are probably okay to be in that deficit for longer than 12 weeks. Heck, you are probably okay to be in a deficit for six, maybe up to 12 months with lifestyle breaks. Because if you are in a long deficit, you are obviously taking vacations. There are holidays happening. You have a birthday at least once, you know, like there are things happening where you are giving your body a little bit more food, a little bit of a break. So that's just kind of the reality there. And again, in another episode, I'm planning on kind of covering more how I approach a deficit with different types of clients who have different types of histories and situations. So let me know in the DMs or whatever if you have any questions about that that you'd love to hear answered on the podcast. Um, The next one that I want to talk about is huge, and that is comparing your maintenance calories to someone else's. Again, I'm going to kind of start by comparing it to like a Fitstagram influencer because that's what I see people comparing themselves to most often. And there's going to be a lot of similarities here between this one and the deficit one. Um, But I want to start with this kind of example. I had a client once who came to me. She honestly had a stellar metabolism. (laughs) Like this girl, I always said, you know, I'm jealous of you as my client. Um, Eating like 2,700 plus calories a day. She was fit. She was in, you know, good healthy shape, but obviously not like bodybuilder shredded. And she did want to lose a little bit of body fat, but she felt like it would be bad for her metabolism to eat less. She was like scared of that. And I feel like it came from this like, kind of social media agenda um, where you're seeing girls maintaining these really lean physiques eating 2,500 plus calories. But guys, like the difference between my client and the girls that she was comparing herself to, they have probably gone through multiple cycles of periodized nutrition, recomping their bodies, meaning Maybe they started out not quite as lean and muscular, but they lost body fat. And then from that leaner physique, they started building up calories and building up muscle. And then they lost body fat again. And then they did the same thing. And that kind of like reversing, dieting, building those phases along with following progressive programming is literally how you get to those higher maintenance calories at a leaner body. But so many people don't want to wait that long or they don't give it that long. You're comparing yourself to someone who has gone through the process five times that you are just starting with one diet or like one reverse diet. You know what I mean? 
And add on to that, a lot of these people who you're comparing yourself to on fitness Instagram are very devoted lifters. Like these people have a good base of muscle, a good base of lean tissue where a lot of you who are on fitness Instagram and thinking these things are doing a lot of group exercise, a lot of F45, Orange Theory, that type of thing. And, you know, you don't have the muscle to support that high level of maintenance calories. So there's that. Um, And this is not uncommon. I have clients coming to me wanting to maintain this really lean physique and also have this elusive balance, a.k.a. You know, I think what we think of balance as these days is kind of eating what we whatever we want at restaurants, drinking alcohol every week, giving into every craving that we have because balance. But the reality is that is not realistic when you want to maintain the body that you want to maintain. If you want to keep doing those things and maintain at a higher body fat, sure. But oftentimes you're coming to me you're wanting to be leaner, you're wanting to see visible muscle definition, but you're wanting this balance, which from your perception is more freedom than you probably can have. Like some level of mindfulness is probably necessary. And these preconceived notions are typically not realistic. Um, Again, you might see this fitness influencer who maintains a pretty lean physique, eating more calories, but that person is just not you. They have more muscle. They are probably 24 years old. (laughs) They have never aggressively yo-yo dieted. They started lifting weights at age 18. They maybe don't drink alcohol. There are so many factors. And this is something that I say all the time in like a funny way because, you know, when I was in high school, I was like doing two hours of cardio a day and eating literally nothing. Um, and now these girls who are like in high school, freshmen of college, they're like, we got to eat to build a booty. And they're like hitting the gym every day, like squatting 200 pounds. And I'm like, geez, I wish I was doing that at that age because things would look a lot different for me now, right? But we just weren't. And the fact is, is like your history is your history. So keep all of that in mind um, when you're seeing what other people are doing on Instagram and you're comparing. With all of that said, do you need to be maintaining your weight eating 1,400 calories? Absolutely fucking not. Unless you are like a very small, sedentary human being. Um, But most women I see realistically maintain their weight closer to 2000 calories, give or take, you know, maybe anywhere from like 1800 to like 2200 is probably like the most common like range that I see. Um, And generally in our society with the fact that a lot of food we eat is high calorie and a lot of social events that we go to are focused on food and alcohol, Staying at around 2,000 calories, it generally does take some level of thoughtfulness, effort, mindfulness around eating decisions. So you're probably not ever going to get to this point, and this might be really depressing to hear for some of you, but you are probably never going to get to a point where you are able to maintain this super lean body that you want without literally giving a second thought to what you eat. Like, you can have the physique. And you can enjoy food that you like, but you're probably going to have to think about it and manage your portions. Like it's not the end of the world, but 
that's the reality. And, you know, take me for example, you guys are all probably familiar with what I look like if you're listening to my podcast. Um, I'm not excessively lean. You know, I feel like I have a lot of balance and I have a lot of flexibility in my life. I never really feel like I am not able to have something or not able to enjoy something. And I also feel really freaking confident and I enjoy the way that my body looks physically. I feel like I have it all. (laughs) Um, I maintain my weight around 140 pounds. I eat around 2,000 to 2,100 calories for the most part. And I do have to think about my food. You know, when I go out to eat, I put thought into like, hmm, what's a good portion for me? If I know I'm going out to eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I have to think, hmm, what really makes sense for me to order if I want to have dessert later? Like, yes, I'm not psycho. I'm not bringing Tupperwares to restaurants or anything like that, but I am putting effort and thought into a certain level of maintenance calories because I want my body to look a certain way. And I'm not afraid to say that because a lot of you do too. And I want to be real about what it takes in many cases. We obviously always have people who are outliers and whatever, but those are my thoughts. And also, I want to make a note here too. If I wanted to eat closer to 2,500 calories, if that was genuinely what I preferred, then I could just maintain my weight a little bit higher. Um, like I said, I weigh around 140 pounds. If I eat closer to 2,500 calories, 2,600 calories, I weigh closer to 146 pounds. (laughs) So like, it's really not that big of a deal. Maintenance is a range. Maybe I'll do another podcast episode on maintenance as well, but I like the way I look now. So it makes sense for me to eat the way I eat now. I've also been lifting for 10 years. So like the way I look is also a product of that. But all of that said, Um, With something like maintenance, you know, keep in mind these calorie calculators, estimations and things like that, they can be really helpful. They can give you some perspective. They can open your eyes to like a good projected maintenance of where you might like want to shoot for. But please do not get tied to these numbers that are not real, right? Like if your body is gaining weight, that's a surplus. (laughs) If your body is maintaining weight slash pictures, measurements, that's maintenance. Stop comparing yourself to other people and objective numbers and just observe your own body. What is happening? Obviously, you know, take that with a grain of salt because if you're like, I'm maintaining my weight eating a thousand calories. Okay, well, we need to make a change for your health. But generally, you guys know what I mean. I hope. Let me know if you have questions. <laughs> um, and I will put this here too before I move on. I actually see this as kind of like a huge problem in the coaching industry and Something that I've actually compared to my compared myself to a lot with like a lot of other coaches that just are younger, honestly, in that younger age bracket. I'm, you know, I'm t- nearly 29 and a lot of other coaches are a lot younger than me. They're bodybuilding competitors, whatever, and they just preach like, let's reverse diet everyone up to insanely high calories because that's what I can do. You know, I can eat 2600 calories and maintain my weight and I'm like, "Dang, why can't I do that? Like I've even questioned myself, you know? Um, and I have to remind myself like Lexi, it is your body. Like you are literally observing what your body is doing and that is what matters. So just because it worked for 
you and you're 24 or that coach that you're looking at on Instagram does not mean that it works for everyone. Yes, people still need to reverse diet in many cases, but there needs to be context. There needs to be individual variables assessed and biofeedback assessed and results assessed and all of these things. So I hope that makes sense. That was a long one. Um, again, lots of nuance, but I hope I give you guys a little glimpse into maintenance and what it should be versus some of what you're seeing on the internet. Um, Next up on the docket is your body shape and fat distribution. Should not be compared to someone else. So me oh my, this is a tough one. And yet again, the internet makes it really challenging because a lot of influencers use their bodies to promote their programming. Never once will you hear me say, join my coaching program and look like me. There's no way you can look like me. Not if you eat like me, not if you do my training program. Yeah, I might be able to help you shed body fat. I might be able to help you grow your glutes, but they're still your glutes. They're not mine, you know? Um, I have women come to me all the time with these kind of like inspo pics or like, I want to look like this. I've even had people say they want to look like me. Thanks, but you're not gonna <laughs> of what they want to look like. I used to be guilty of this too. Like, honestly, my God, I wanted to look like Miranda Kerr for heaven's sakes. And I don't know if you guys don't know who that is. It is a Victoria's Secret model who is insanely tiny, but that's a whole different issue. <laughs> I'm just saying, been there, done that. Anyways, you want to look like Susie Q over here who has that like big juicy booty and a flat stomach, but guess what? That is not how your body is shaped. That is not how you store fat. You might have different insertion and origin points for your muscles, etc. You are different than that person. Again, I'll use myself as an example. I store fat first around my stomach. I also lose fat last around my stomach. We love it, right? My legs are naturally thin. Um, It's challenging for me to build them up. I have to diet a lot harder to see that ab definition, and I don't think I probably ever have or ever will have a six-pack because, frankly, I'm typically not willing to bring my calories down that low. Um, If someone came to me and they were like, oh, Lexi, you know, I did this specific exercise and it just built my glutes and legs to look like this, I could do that exercise. My glutes and legs would not look like that because that is not how my body works. If someone said, oh, Lexi, I started running and that is what just, you know, shredded my stomach down. Guess what? That still wouldn't work for me. It would probably make, you know, if I was expending that many more calories, all I would do would lose fat from places that my body likes to lose fat first. My stomach would still be last. Um, So, you know, to this, I just say, focus on being the best version of you, the best version of you. Learn your body, learn what you can expect from it. You know, when I lose body fat, I know that if my arms start looking leaner, if my legs start looking leaner, that probably means that my stomach is coming next. You know, that is just the way my body works. There's nothing I can do to be like, let's get the stomach fat off first. And, you know, this is just the sad reality of our bodies are our bodies. So compare to you, um, try to be the best version of you compared to your photos. Um, yeah. And, you know, my general thing here too is that please know that building more muscle is typically always favorable, you know, over 
a large amount of time because it's going to help you look leaner regardless of the way that your body stores and distributes fat. I know a lot of my transformation pictures that I've shared that are like, holy shit, how did you go from point A to point B are over like an eight to 10 year period where I started lifting. And I did, I completely changed the shape of my body. Why did I do that? How did I do that? I didn't actually change my body or like anything genetically about it. But because I have more muscle, I was able to build up areas that were previously smaller, um, like my legs, like my lats, my shoulders. And that makes my waist also look smaller because those areas are bigger now. Um, also I just have more muscle, which makes it easier for me to maintain a lower body fat, which keeps me looking leaner all the time. And I've gone through multiple phases of progression with my nutrition and my training that again, have helped me recount my body. So if you're looking to truly transform your body, it's not about finding the hack or the exercise that so-and-so is doing who looks the way you want to look. It's about putting in the time and manipulating your nutrition and training over that time and being smart and having strategy. Um, So keep that in mind. If you need help, you know where to go. Last but certainly not least is your hormones, your labs, your health markers. Um, Sheesh. There is not one darn supplement. There is not one diet. There is not one specific anything that will heal or balance your hormones. The supplements that say hormone balancing, what does that even mean? You know, how do you know how to balance your hormones when everyone has something different that might be high or low? There's not one supplement that is just going to harmoniously bring them all into balance. You know, what even, what is that? I can't believe that's even in the world. I really can't. Anyways, your hormonal state is a reflection of the state of your health and your lifestyle. I'm glad that I'm recording this after my period post today because, you know, again, let's just use that as kind of a reference point. I dealt with hypothalamic amenorrhea the past year. I did not have a period. Um, Personally, for me, I did not have to gain weight to restore my period. I have been eating at maintenance since last May, which for me, I mentioned earlier, is, you know, relatively close to 2000 calories, give or take on a specific day. And I maintain my weight between like 138 and 140. That is how I have lived for the past year. Um, that is a healthy amount of calories. It allows me to get my micronutrients in. It allows me to get my protein in. It allows my biofeedback to be pretty good. And I'm at a healthy body fat level. I enjoy the way I look, but I'm certainly not shredded. Other women who have lost their periods are out there kind of preaching that everyone needs to gain weight to regain their period or eat more food to regain their period. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of like kind of the all in methodology or like the all in journey. And certainly that is what some some women have to do. Some people just lose their period kind of suddenly, you know all of a sudden they're training and dieting and then whoop, period is gone. We see this a lot with like bodybuilding competitors and whatnot. Um, That didn't happen to me. I just, I got off the pill and it never returned. So a little bit different as I was like reestablishing that connection between brain and ovaries, like, hey, we need to make our own hormones now. Um, But with that said, I did not have to gain weight. Other women do. Um, what if you are getting off birth control and you're extremely overweight? 
in that case, and you want to have a healthy period and maybe, you know, conceive a child, in that case, dropping some body fat might actually help you regulate a healthier cycle. It might help you balance your blood sugar. Um, Eating more nutrient-dense foods might help with your digestion and your gut health. So, you know, everyone is just in this different situation. Um, Another example, for some people, they might have insulin resistance induced by stress. Hello, have you heard of fight or flight? Like when we are in that fight or flight, high stress state, listen to what it's called, right? Fight or flight. And from an evolutionary perspective, like our bodies are meant to get into that state with the assumption that we need to fight or flee. So when we say you're in a fight or flight state, think about what does your body need to prepare to either fight or like run. It needs fuel. So when those stress hormones go up, we have glucose released into our bloodstream so that we can use it for fuel and fight or flee. The problem is that this day and age, that kind of stress state of fight or flight can come from, you know, your boyfriend sending you an asshole text message. It doesn't need to come from, I need to run from a tiger. So it's really been like decoupled from movement and we aren't actually using that glucose as fuel. And that is how people oftentimes get dysregulated blood sugar from stress. Um, so in, in a case like this, maybe you need to introduce a breathwork practice. Maybe you need to go to therapy. Maybe you need to work on your like perfectionist tendencies. Um, maybe you need to just chill out on the HIIT training and stop making coffee part of your personality. You know, this situation of insulin resistance, blood sugar d- regulation is completely different from someone who actually is going on being type 2 diabetic induced by poor diet. They might need to eat more fiber. They might need to add more walks after their meals to help regulate that blood sugar spike and use the food they just ate as fuel. They might need to build some muscle because that is a great place where we store glucose. Um, Looking at gut health, everyone has different bacteria or issues in their gut. Some people have too many bad bacteria. Some lack good bacteria. Just because your neighbor started a grocery store probiotic that healed her gut doesn't mean it's going to heal yours. (laughs) I would argue that a grocery store probiotic isn't going to heal anyone's gut, but y'all know what I mean. So you see how this works. It really is about you. Um, Focus on you. The absolute best thing you can do for your fitness journey if you want to be successful is look at you. What are the root causes of your problems? What are the big rocks or opportunities for change to help you fix it? Find someone to help you do that and get tunnel vision. Do your freaking thing. Find a coach that will help you assess these variables in your own life. Find a coach that says it depends and will help lead you through the process and really talk with you and have a conversation rather than putting you on the exact same train they were on. The imitation train is not it. You are not the same as someone else. Before I go on, or like before I go, um, with this in mind, something else to remember is that even for a coach, a health journey requires a lot of experimentation and educated, keyword educated, guessing. I mean that like with a client or themselves, I suppose, but even for a coach, like we never know exactly what someone's body is going to do. Um, It takes time because we assess, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier, what are the root causes of this person's problem based on the way they're living their life? What are the biggest changes that we can make to improve whatever problems there are? 
um, then we implement those changes. We be consistent enough with those changes to actually identify what type of impact they're making. We see what that impact is and then we say, okay, is it working or do we need to make some adjustments? What's still going wrong? Your body is the guiding force to your journey and your coach can help identify, okay, this is the path we're going to take. This is the strategy we're going to use. But that coach is just looking at the way that your body responds and continuing to make those educated decisions as you go and helping you to explain why they're doing such things. Um, so remember that, you know, your body is always the guide. There's never, I'm never going to sit there and look at a client and be like, let's do this. And this is going to fix everything. I promise. Oftentimes I'll say things like I'm pretty certain or what I've seen in the past with people like you, or based on this, I think that doing this is going to cause this type of change or, because of this, if we do this, this is most likely to happen or this should happen. But sometimes it's like, hey, you were maintaining, I was just talking to a client today and it's like she was maintaining her weight at around 23, 2400 calories. We pull her down to 2000 and she's looking a little bit leaner. She's tightened up for sure, but the scale isn't dropping significantly. So it's like, hey, you know, we thought that this might be enough of a drop, but straight up, it isn't. We might need to drop a little bit more because that is what your body is telling us. So I'm going to guide you in this direction. You know, let's just keep going. So anyways, guys, I hope you liked this one. I liked it. <laughs> As always, feel free to DM me your thoughts, your feedback. I am always here for the chat. Um, don't forget to leave a rating on Spotify or if you really, really love me, a review on Apple. I will appreciate you forever if you do that. You're the best. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Get Your Health Together podcast. I hope you enjoyed it along with some steps and sun. If you love the episode, don't forget to share it with a friend or tag me on Instagram. And if you have a question, never hesitate to shoot me a DM. See you next time.